Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder, do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Charlotte Cosmos, Cosmos Cheese, Dudes, so many every single day. Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help But Wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. Jamie. Hey, friend. So happy to see you. It's so great to see you. Loved this episode. Yeah, it's pretty stinking phenomenon. I laughed out loud. I feel like this is just the episode where it's just like the show starts coming into its own. Yeah, it's really finding its groove. Like, Stella is getting her groove fashion. back. Yeah, crazy fashion. A lot of fun hats on the hostess. Oh, my God. Uh, side hats. We, we discussed off mic. Side yeah. hats. They're never front and center. They're always a little to the left. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen somebody wear a kooky side hat, ever. I mean, <laughs> this show invented the kooky side hat. <laughs> Girl, who are you this week? Oh, man. I, you know, I'm going to say I was a bit of a Miranda. Okay. Because I feel like... I feel like I'm sort of, well, I can't fully talk about the thing I want to talk about, but I basically have a work opportunity coming up where I am going to be an executive producer for the first time. Ooh, and excuse me. I know. I'm just a little, yeah. I, I And I feel, I guess the reason I feel like a Miranda is because Miranda is just like, I don't know. She's just like a boss and not just at the office where she's a Harvard educated lawyer, but also just in her friendships. She's very decisive and very confident in her decisions. And I think there's a lot of I'm kind of just learning how to stand by my choices because I feel like especially in the workplace, like everybody's just winging it. Like everyone is just trying to act like their opinion is fact and it's just a war of opinions and nobody really knows what they're doing. So I'm trying to learn how to just be like, no, I just, I know how to do what I do just as much as anybody else knows how to do what they do. And I need to start like sticking by that and not feeling guilty. Gal, I, I'm sort of envisioning us going on a shopping spree where we get you a structured oh blazer. God. Give me them shoulder an pads. heel. Yes. A red lip, a high bun. She's going to make some decisions on this show. Welcome to the world, Jamie Lee. I'm going to put little uh, like little tap things on the bottoms of my shoes so they're extra click clacky when I come down the hall and people fear me. Gal, I think the big thing on this show is that you're just going to have to practice some like power stances in a blazer. Oh, God. Gal, is it professional to wear a blazer and just like a black lacy bra? I feel like Sharon Stone did it in every movie, and she seemed to have a lot of authority. So I just, I I'm going to bring it back. I think you can be an, a, a, a sex executive, a, a sexy sex, executive, an executive, yes, ex, sex, uh, whatever. In I all, love it. Listen, in all seriousness, as your friend and somebody who's collaborated with you on multiple things, I think you do come off in a very confident, 
professional way. So I think you are going to be a pig in shit as an executive. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, what was it? What did they call Sarah Palin? A, a bulldog in lipstick. Do you remember that? Gal, you are so definitely horrifying. a poodle in stilettos. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. Oh my god, you're a you're a Shih Tzu in really cute clogs. Girl, clogs, <laughs> rude. I Podcast love clogs. Over. No, clogs are bad. You're like you're a frump in a clog. No, not like clogs you would wear if you were a nurse. Clogs, not like Crocs. Not Crocs. No, like an elevated clog, like a wooden, like a cool chic wooden clog, like that brand number six. They make really cool clogs. Shout That's out true. to number six. Please like, sponsor us. We want your shoes. Sponsor us. Yeah. You're um, a street mutt in a broken sandal. Oh my god, you are a Bichon Frise in a in a peep toe. Oh girl, <laughs> with one with one little painted claw coming oh, out of girl. it. Oh girl, I also just found out that you're allowed to paint your dog's nails. So um, watch out, world. Oh, hello, Chachi <laughs> and Dennis. Dennis can have it too. Maybe I mean, Dennis will have black nail polish. He'll be like goth, the first goth labradoodle. Oh my goth. <laughs> oh, wow, I don't know why. I didn't see the TH coming on that. We are so hyper today. We, okay, just a full disclosure. Oh, well, two two things. One, this is our first time recording in the morning. Wow. Wow, what a diff. And two, for anyone who is tuning in for the first time, uh, just wanted to mention that we are serialized and we are going to be analyzing episode five of season one today. So if you do want to follow along in order, you should go back to our first episode and start there. Um, or if you're just, you know, such a, Sex and the City aficionado that you can pick up in the middle and know exactly wow, what we're talking impressive. about. Do you? We're not trying to tell you how to live your life. Yeah, exactly. Well, Gal, oh yes, tell me what you were. Oh my God, this is what happens when I have too much coffee. Gal, I'm so I alert. It. I'm I gone. I love it. I love it. Okay. This who week, are you this week? I was a full <gasps> Samantha. Whoa. H to T, head to toe. Oh my God. Okay. Um, this is gross and no, it's anyone not. related it's to me can never listen to this podcast. And this is like anyone I ever date or my future husband, if you're out there, don't listen. This is a lot of information. I was ovulating this week and mm-hmm. I was, you know how a cartoon animal sees a person and then it's like a pork chop? Yes. That's how I was with horny. I just oh. like was like everything was just like. Fuck, ju- fuck, fuck. Juicy, fatty steak. Yeah, and I I really hurt my shoulder. Oh, and, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have a sex injury? No. Okay. I, I wish. I really hurt my shoulder, and so I booked a deep tissue massage. It happened to be with a man. I had never gone to this person before. First of all, I am— Oh, you told me about this guy, that I'm, it was transformative. Yeah, I'm so horny in massages that it could be like— an 80-year-old, like, Ukrainian woman, and I'm like, I want to fuck her. Yeah. Like, I, if anyone touches me, I'm just like... I think she wants you to fuck her. I mean, this guy wasn't even necessarily my type, but the entire massage, I'm not kidding, I was... And it wasn't even like he was doing anything sexy. He was, like, digging into my shoulder, and I, like, almost, like, slid off the table. Oh, my God. And I literally, the entire massage, I was like... If I just, like, pulled the blanket down, like, would I get, like, kicked out of here? Like, I was truly weighing it. I was like, I kind of need this guy to just, like, give me, like, an X-rated massage. But I didn't do anything because I was like, this, if you're a male masseuse that's good and he was amazing, I'm like, this probably happens regularly. Women probably do, like, little things like drop the blanket or, like, make a little weird noise. And I was like. when they tell you to turn over, they, like, kind of don't do it discreetly. They, like, let the sheet fall down. I, like, turned over in a big way. I was, like, very into it. You're like, oopsie. I'm all out there. I'm naked. Um, (laughs) No, fully, I I actually was thinking about it. And I was like, if you're a male masseuse, you probably have to be so 
fucking professional because women probably hit on you all the time. Can I say something controversial? Yeah. I think that happy endings should be, be legal, legal I'm and with part of it because Girl, it's so I would have done it. It in is a the second. elephant in the room. Everyone's thinking it. I really wanted him to massage my boobs and my vagina. Okay. By the way, in Budapest, I went to Budapest out of college the one, it was an 80 year old woman and they do massage your boobs and it was very not sexual I, I mean, mean not just because me, it was an it older woman no it wasn't it was like there are like knots in your boobs and they well, kind of work like, them out all I'm trying to say is I was really horny this week and I have to say I like being horny I don't feel horny all the time so when it happens I'm like oh what a fun little if this is how I felt all the time I would like live on the streets and not get any work done yeah but I it know. was fun for a week well it's fun to be like oh I feel things yeah Exactly. Good for me. Well, anyway, let's do like it. We had a great week. Great week. Horniness, career empowerment. We are just two. We're, we're two ladies. Babe, tell everybody what this episode is. Okay, so this is uh, season one, episode five. It's called "The Power of Female Sex." So James and I are just going to dive in and give you guys a quick recap of what happened on this episode. Oops. Here we go. So the ep begins with Carrie describing who the most powerful woman in New York is, and she's the hostess at a hot new restaurant called Balzac. Take that in. Carrie and Samantha try and get a table on opening day by throwing their do-you-know-who-we-are weight around, but the hostess, who wears a teeny top hat cocked to the side because fashion, gives them the brush off. The gals leave, egos fully bruised. Samantha goes back to work, and Carrie does some retail therapy at Dolce & Gabbana, where she admits to having a serious shoe problem. When Carrie tries to buy a pair of strappy stilettos, the salesman cuts her credit card in half. When Carrie couldn't be more humiliated, a snazzy Italian friend acquaintance named Amelita swoops in to save the day. Amelita offers to buy the shoes for Carrie because she's dating a handsome Italian millionaire. Okay. Uh, Amelita offers to buy the shoes for Carrie because she's dating a handsome Italian millionaire named Carlo who buys her whatever she wants. But has a tiny He's wiener. He's a tiny little penis. A but tiny it little works penis. Great. You can't have it all, baby. Later that night, the core four meet up at Carrie's house for some poker where they talk about the moral implications of using men for money and whether or not Amelita is empowered or exploited. Then Charlotte shares her current conundrum with the group. What if you sense that someone is giving you a professional advantage because they find you charming? Charming? This I gotta hear. Well, a few days ago, Neville Morgan the notoriously reclusive painter paid a visit to the gallery. Neville was making his yearly pilgrimage to Manhattan to check out what was new and hot on the art scene. And he found it. Charlotte. It was only a matter of moments before he invited her to his farm upstate to view his latest work. So, if I could get him to show at the gallery, it would be an incredible coup, but what if he wants me to, you know... Hold his brush. If he so much as suggests what she's suggesting, you give me a call and we'll sue the hell out of him. That's the only proper way to trade sex for power. I don't understand why Charlotte assumes that's going to happen. Because he's a painter with long hair, baby. <laughs> I mean, like, Gal, if you have a ponytail, um, all you think about is sex. Yeah, if you have a ponytail and your name's Neville, which is kind of the inverse of vulva somehow in my head, <laughs> I guess you're, it's all, the you're male, DT. It's the male. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's such a bizarre name. He does look like a Neville. They really nailed the name of that character. The be- There's so many amazing things about this show, but one of the best is the names. Balzac. I know. Neville. I know. They're like, I don't know. Yeah, they like cut you to your core. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on this, babe? Well... Yeah, I don't want to get too ahead of of what's to come, but um, I think that a couple things about Neville. Can we talk about Neville for a sec? Can we talk about the fact that his like white hair is like streaked with yellow? I mean, the dye situation was a nightmare. I know he was like it's like he's like a Game of Thrones character meets like farmer in the dell meets like oh, I'm like, like he, farmer does, in the dell? he doesn't like ride a dragon he like rides a tractor like a dragon <laughs> oh my god and also like meets like a weird dude in college who you like regrettably hooked up with and his like room smelled like old Thai food <laughs> that was really specific <laughs> shout was. out to that guy that I hooked up with in college hey oh um yeah I don't know I I guess do we I don't did we talk about Neville later I think that we don't okay so I think this is the time this is the time um the thing is okay so Neville paints vaginas that's his latest collection and he we don't know that yet oh okay wait well, are we talking about that what later we're talking about is should Charlotte go to visit this horny painter who's probably interested in her for sex to get something from the gallery is it okay to use your womanly wiles to get something fun fact about Neville uh he paints vaginas which he very casually calls cunts. Not only Neville calls them cunts, when Charlotte goes upstate, the wife loves, she's holding a tray of cookies, and she's like, I bet you have a beautiful cunt, dear, because Neville wants Charlotte to pose for him. And uh, it's pretty hilarious, because when we finally see his paintings, they are not even... They're not meticulously created at all. It's they're very abstract. So it's like, why did you need Charlotte to? Why do you need any women posing for you when you kind of just do like you just cut a cantaloupe? Literally, just like loose gestured art. Like it's not specific at all to anyone's vagina. You are not George O'Keefe. What the fuck, Neville? Sorry, just quick Neville sidebar. Okay, um, but what was so? Oh yeah, you asked your question, which was, do you think? Well, what I wonder is, is it okay? You know, Charlotte's asking, can I go visit this guy knowing he wants to fuck me to get something for the gallery? Is that morally okay? Is that good for me? I think it is okay. I do too. I think people do that all the time. And also, it doesn't mean she has to do anything. Like, she doesn't have to sleep with him, but she can go and if you know someone has a crush on you who's in a position of power, you can use that to get what you want without, like, you know getting your butt blasted or something. Absolutely. Yeah, and also like yeah, that's why that's why I guess the way that Charlotte phrases this is like sort of unempowered. She's like, if I go there and he hits on me, like, what do am I, do? I obligated? It's like absolutely not. Why would you you are not obligated at all, but the withholding of whatever sexual thing might happen is sort of the power not giving up the That's thing. That's interesting. Do you think Neville's attractive? Do I think Neville <laughs> is attractive? Are we still friends after I asked you that? The ponytail can I just say if I saw a gorgeous man like truly Adonis status <laughs> and he had a ponytail it a ponytail it knocks him down from an 11 to a 4 Ooh. for me. Truly, Ooh. no amount of abs, no amount of tan, Ooh. no amount of sparkling eyes Ooh. can negate the ponytail for me. That's where I'm at. I'm very staunchly anti-pone. I don't think I am. I think that ponytails oh can God. look horrific. 
Also, I don't mean to throw my dad under the bus, but when he I was has. growing up, oh. my dad has a bald spot, but he also had a ponytail. Sure. And I'm it's like, a common look. And I, I didn't grow up with him. I would just see him on the weekend. So I didn't, I wasn't used to seeing him in the morning. And one day in the morning, his hair was out of the ponytail and it was like <laughs> truly insane. I was like, is this who you really are? It was really scary. The um, neglect of hair loss when, when you see men trying to sort of clench and cling to what is left of their hair. My dad has a soul patch now. Yeah. Don't worry. Oh my God. No, my dad, my dad tried to grow a ponytail also, but he had barely any hair. And so it was like the tiniest little a rubber thin band. ponytail is really Sad. I wouldn't even say thin. I would say like microscopic, a wisp. A wisp. Like like a, when you see when people like when people's baby's hair starts to grow out and they kind of jump the gun too quick with like the bows and the and the hair ties. That's what my dad's head looked like. Yes. It looked like a baby with a ponytail. Well, first of all, we can say this because our dads can't listen to this podcast. They're no, literally they cannot. It, it's illegal. It's illegal. Yeah, we so checked. we can talk about them. Also, I do have to say. Um, I lost my virginity to a guy with really thick, long hair. And I think surfers are really hot, so I like long hair. I mean, okay. I like short hair, too, so I'm not anti-pony. Have you ever shagged an artist with long, frizzy hair before, more importantly? Um, no, no, not with long. I have. I don't think I've ever been with anyone with long hair. I've never had to deal it with hot. long it hair. Hot. Yeah, is it? I think if so. If it, like, hits you across the face, you're kind of like, oh. Well, there's something really hot as you know because you have long hair like when you're making out or making love with someone and like the hair gets in and the you're way like eating it's kind of like hair. and you're like oh I'm sorry slash can you believe how hot I am yeah I've never I always think about I guess like when I've had sex I, there's always like the moment where I have to like stop down and like put my hair up but I, if a guy did that to me if he's like hold on let me just like grab my scrunchie I'd be like <laughs> okay game over bro oh harsh I know I'm well, cruel most cruel, importantly cruel woman. James is yes. have you ever like Charlotte do you have any memories of being in a professional situation at any time in your life or even school where you use you knew someone kind of liked you a boss an executive a pitch a, a teacher and you kind of used it to your advantage does anything flash to you yeah I mean nothing specific because I think it's happened so much that oh, I can't even wow act. well I don't mean that in a deliberate way I mean like little micro moments mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah I was probably like flashing a smile more unnecessarily than I would if it were just like me and a girlfriend that kind of thing but yeah definitely I'm trying to like remember a specific I can't think of time any. you feel like you've never used it in a like just honestly even, I've had so many female bosses and gay male bosses I feel like I've never had the opportunity to be like we can talk about like I feel like if I was like let's talk about this after work they'd be like why <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I think had I go. I think I. I think I double down the opposite way, which is maybe what you do too. Which is where I try to completely set aside and cover up any femininity to gain power. Yeah, like I don't want to be too flirty because then I'm just reminding them that I'm a woman. So like even when we were talking about off mic, like if I go on stage for stand up, this is kind of getting off topic. But like I wear like baggy sweatshirts and like kind of ill fitting jeans and I always have my hair up and I feel like it's because I focus on the funny. It's it, well, it's also just like sort of uh, like targeting exactly what Char Charlotte is talking about, I, I double down the opposite direction instead of like flirting to get what I want or like trading sexuality. I try to cover up my sexuality to get what I want. There's also, I totally get that and relate to that. And there's also something really empowering about 
having people really be interested in you in a non-sexual way for people being like, wow, you're fucking hilarious. Like that's kind of a fun feeling rather than like, she's hot. Yeah, she's pretty funny too. Yeah. But I wonder if in the art world, like for Charlotte, if that is currency to like be like a sexy gallery owner. Like I wonder if that's a type where you're like sort of commended for your whimsy and oh she's so I think if you're working with male artists with a lot of like virility then probably that is something to finagle I think think it's really touchy I mean my the guy who's like the property manager in my house actually fixed something recently and he's actually kind of hot and he has like (gasps) pretty eyes and he lives in my building and for one second I was like I mean this is part of my like Horny week. This sounds like a like a fan. It sounds like a part of me was like, fantasy. should I just fuck this guy? And I was like, no, 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 no. So anyway, that's so that. anyway, hi everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in, and a very special. In studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not gonna wanna miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Let's get back to the app. I would love it. Okay, so after poker, I love that the girls play poker. It's so unbelievable. I mean, there's no way. It's like, you, who none wants of you know to how to do, do that? this, but that's Who fine. wants to do that? Nobody. Carrie gets a call from Amelita inviting her to, you guessed it, Balzac, baby. baby. Carrie shows up wearing her new D&G heels, which truly look like a poodle's ass glued to a sandal, but I'm into it. And of course, the hostess at Balzac is wearing another insane hat and is super snooty to Carrie, telling her she's not on the list. When Amelita comes to her rescue, Amelita brings Carrie to the Table, table where she meets Gilles. Yeah, it's spelled Gil, but oh. it's Gilles. Ooh. It's such a goofy name. So Gilles is obviously stunning and also an architect from Paris because this show gets me. Gilles is immediately smitten with Carrie, and after dinner, they go on a sexy night walk where he starts waving all the red flags. Only here for the weekend, divorced, has a kid, but that doesn't stop Carrie from wanting him. I'm only here for the weekend. But I would love to see you tomorrow. Maybe you could uh, show me the town. Oh, you've never been to New York? Oh, about 12 times, but I've never seen it with someone like you. You really have that certain je ne sais quoi, don't you? (laughs) Yes. And so do you. So, um... I'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Bonsoir. Mm, Gilles. That accent, I can't tell if the actor He's playing fake. him is... He's not. That is such an over-the-top accent. It's like... Do you uh, want to... Uh, it's like... <laughs> <"Sut alors." laughs> it's like unreal. <laughs> right? Is, Gilles is... Yeah. Gilles, Gilles is, is like not to be believed. Gilles is actually from Ohio. Like... <laughs> on. He's handsome, though. Yeah, he is. He's definitely handsome. Jill could get it. Yeah. Um, this is it. Okay, so this is the relationship with Jill 
is interesting to me because I think it actually plays a pretty big role on the show in terms of significance just because this is the first time that Carrie has ever admitted that she is like not doing well financially. That's true. Which is a huge controversy like fans of this show and and in the media, you know, we always hear like, oh, well, Carrie has this like gorgeous apartment, but she has like a small writer's salary. How does she do it? And this is the first time we see her like credit card get declined. True. We see that she like doesn't have healthy spending habits. She's obsessed with shoes and like keeping up with the Joneses in this very obvious way when she goes to like Balzac. Totally. She clearly has like she feels that pressure that I felt in New York, I'm sure you did too, of like wanting to feel like you have money because it's a very expensive place and you do feel it, especially the older you get when your friends start to make money. You know, you're in this zone where you're like, oh, I'm trying to go to Balzac, but like I can't even afford the clothes that most people at Balzac wear. Mm-hmm. How do I fit in? Yeah. Um, so that was just something I thought was interesting that we, because I guess in watching the whole show, and watching the whole series, I was kind of like, oh, they never really like talk about their finances. And I'm like, oh, no, in this episode, they kind of do. I found that very relatable when she's at Dolce & Gabbana and her credit card gets declined because I have bad spending habits. Like, if I have money, I spend it. I don't save. I don't think about things. I don't invest. So hard. Yeah. So I totally related to the, like, I'm having a hard day. I'm just going to buy something I can't afford. Yeah. And I, yeah. And also when Amelita swoops in, it's very and she's like, enticing. Let me buy it for you. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, everyone wants this friend. Like, we I all want to act like we don't need an Amelita. Everyone wishes they had an Amelita, even the- if it was just like, ooh. You know, she knows someone who has a beach house. I'm in. Like, it's the, a, it's the a good friend. The second Amelita offered her to buy the shoes, I was like, I have no real friends. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has ever offered to randomly spend $2,000 on shoes for me. And I feel like Jamie. Car- I know. I'm sorry. We'll get there. We'll get there in our friendship. I think we're getting there. But, like, yeah, and it's so funny how Carrie, Carrie doesn't really push back. She's like, okay. <laughs> She's like, I can't. I will. Uh, let me do. Let, let, let me let you do that for me. Um, but going back to Gilles. What are your thoughts? I have a couple of thoughts on this. It's interesting because after that clip, Carrie's like, there's a lot of red flags. He's divorced. He's this. He's only here for the weekend. And Carrie's kind of debating if she should get involved. And I think that's interesting because as you get older, in your 20s, you're like, sure, why not have a romantic tryst? But the older you get, the less exciting that can become. And the more you're like, okay, I want to date somebody that's available that's here. What's the point of just spending two days with a, a French guy? And Carrie's kind of debating that. But Ultimately, she decides to do it. And I think that's interesting because, like, I feel like I'm at the age and the point now where if I met a really handsome, rich French guy who was like, I'm in town for two days, I'd be like, cool, bye. Like, how do you feel about this? Well, okay, so I think if Carrie were a real person, I could see how in her head she's like, you know what? He's a rich French architect. He he says, I've been to New York 12 times. He clearly has the money to like jet set a little bit. So I could see maybe in her head she's rationalizing like, yes, this is sort of a flingy vibe, but who knows? It could turn into more, especially if he has the means to come back here. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you also just have to know yourself. Like I'm the kind of person where if I spent two days in a sex reverie, At the end of it, I'd be like, you're my husband. And they'd be like, no, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. So for me, it would be self-protective. Yeah. If a handsome, wonderful guy who's like, I live in another continent and have a child and I'm like completely not available. I don't find that as appealing as I once did. Well, I also think that Jill is not unlike big. He has big vibes. He kind of laughs at her jokes. He kind of 
is standoffish. He kind of looks like big. I thought it was big because you saw the back of his head when Carrie walks up, and I'm like, oh my god, Amelita's gonna introduce her to yeah. big. Yeah, it, it's just um. I can see why she's attracted to him. This is well, clearly he's also her. Very attractive. Well, sure, but also it's clearly her type. She likes right. kind of a standoffish. Is he a dick or is he just elusive? Like that's kind of her vibe. So I don't know. It makes sense to me that she would be into Gilles and um, and that you know Gilles has he. I don't even know how to characterize what I'm about to say, but like when he says stuff like, "Yeah, I've been to New York twelve times, but I've never seen it with you." That's kind of one of those lines where you're like, man, that is so fucking corny. But Carrie kind of likes corny. Big does that too, where he kind of says these things where you're like, I don't know. Eye rolly? They're eye rolly, but coming out of the quote unquote right guy in Carrie's eyes is sort of charming. And I find it repulsive. Well, it's kind of like, I love compliments. I love when guys are like, you're really beautiful or blah, blah, blah. But it has to be honest and it has to be like, I like compliments a lot, but it can't feel like a line. Well, that's my point, especially because she's a writer. I'm always surprised that the writers of this show set Carrie up with people who have, like, bad lines. That's like, funny. you would think that Carrie, the writer, would be like, come on, you want to see it through my fucking eyes? Get over yourself. <laughs> that's funny, James. Ugh. Well, have you ever had something like that? Have you ever had, like, a, an exciting fling while you were traveling or with somebody who was just in town for a weekend? Do you have anything come to mind of, like, a little... Rendezvous? Yeah. Um, oh my God, you sound so like no, I sound, uh, <laughs> haggard about I, it. Well, you know, in my, I'm smoking a cigarette suddenly. Um, but yeah, uh, y- yes, but I think you made a really great point that now in my 30s, I would be way more reluctant to that kind of fling. But in my 20s, I was in that zone where I was like, why not? Yeah, I was uh, traveling. What are the I think the best travel trip I've ever taken was uh, in South Mexico and Oaxaca. I went in my 20s. It was unbelievably gorgeous. Had the best time. My friend and I stayed in the sleepy beach town, and I met, I think, every kind of guy. Handsome, short, tall, fat, skinny, black, white. I like everybody. But my lizard brain has a special place for, like, Blonde, yes. surfer, Nazi, total. And I was sitting with my friend on a um, shack on the beach that, I mean, it was like from a fantasy. It was like literally just like a The palm only sh- place a shack is hot is yeah. on the beach. Yeah. Any other shacks and are not great. drinking mezcal with my friend and like from the ocean with a surfboard <gasps> walks, like the hottest person I've seen like with my own eyes. Right. Tall, tan, blonde, surfer, blue eyes. A fuckable unicorn. A fuckable unicorn. His, bur- he goes, hi, my name is Gray Wolf. Stop. And I said. This is fake. This is, this actually didn't happen to you. This is, I, you had a, this, you had a delusion. Jamie, I was like, Okay, that's funny. What's your actual name? He's like, my born name is Grey Wolf. Stop. I was born on a commune. My parents are hippies. Within six minutes, we were like rolling around in the sand, <gasps> like drunk making out. And we spent all weekend together. And like, I have certain memories that are just so hot from that trip of him like lifting me up and like pushing me to the wall, all this stuff. He's like the him hottest. howling. I mean, howling at the moon. <laughs> yeah, he does an orgasm. He just goes, ow, ow. It was such a 20s thing. We literally, my my roommate in the hostel got sexiled outside while we were like. Oh my God. So anyway, he was perfect. It was amazing. I like looked him up online a few times after that and then forgot about him. So that was like my Gilles. Ooh, that was your Gilles. Yeah, my Gilles. 
there was what uh, is your Gilles? What is my Gilles? What the hell is your Gilles? What the hell is your goddamn Gilles? Well, my Gilles probably would be, and I talked about this in a previous episode, but my my uh, London lover who Ooh. turned out to be like fourteen, so good. <laughs> but when never but, gets but, old, yeah, he never he never, he never gets, gets old. old. He never gets um, old enough. But uh, but when that was happening, there definitely was like a fling vibe. And I don't know if I told this in the previous episode. I apologize if I'm repeating it. But did I tell you when when he asked me if he if I he could go down on me. No. He literally, he was like, Jamie, can I go down on you? That's actually a good accent. I know, but I, yes. But I didn't let him, because I was so, like, I don't know, it creeped me out that he was, like, so kind about it. Like, I wanted him to be a little more. "Mm, Yeah, maybe. Hey, we like what we like. But this was also, like, you know, years and years ago. Now, I'd be like. Your spidey sense was like, this is illegal. I was just like. raping him. I felt like he was asking, like, if I wanted some, like, clotted cream on my scrumpet or whatever. (laughs) And it was just very, like, doop, doop, doop. Not to, like, insult our British listeners, but it was, I would, dare I say, too formal for the act that he was requesting. Gal, he wanted to munch a scrumpet. Yeah. He, he, also, he was a scrump he muncher. He also, I'm not even joking, did refer to his penis as his, like, dingle and jiggly bits. And I remember being like, I have jiggly chills. Bits. I, have ch- I have douche chills. I cannot handle that you just called your dick your jiggly bits. I want to put a gun in my mouth. so gross. Yeah, dingle. A dingle? <laughs> do, you, do you know what a dingle is? It's like the pen. Don't. Yeah. Don't. I can't. A dingle is the pen that, like, Cher uses in Clueless that has, like, a pink, like, literally what a dingle is oh my god my thought was a dingle is like the cat toy with like the little poof ball on the yes. end and the bell that you like you know the little like fishing rod with the bell on the end dingle that you dingle like in a cat's face you even jingle worse, and dingle it's horrific jamie it's as bad as willie can you even believe dongle is like an acceptable like computer term what? Yeah, dongle. When people are like, oh, do you have a dongle? It's just like an attachment for your computer. I'm like, it's called a dongle? Wait, Jamie. Fuck off right now. Wait, I've never heard of dongle. Oh, yeah, you got to get on the dongle train. Skylar, have you heard of dongle? You got to use dongle. You guys, there's yeah. too many men in tech. We need to change <laughs> We need that. to change it. Damn. <laughs> Oh, my God. Shall okay. we move on? Let's move on. After the combo with Gilles, Carrie literally floats away into the sky. Season one was very experimental. They, I was just going to say, it was very Michelle Gondry. She floats into the sky. I know, I do too. I miss whimsical. it. Yeah, I liked it. The next day, Carrie is getting ready for her date with Gilles when Skipper, which like just... Take the guy off the show already. Oh my God, get rid of him. I mean, he's such dead weight. He is he's like an, curly bangs weight. No, he's just like a herpy on the show. Oh my God. Please he swings fade by. Away. Exactly. He swings by to complain about Miranda not being into him, which, of course, he's too needy. He's irritating. Go to the swag store and get some swag, Skipper. You suck. That day, Carrie meets Gilles for a romantic rendezvous, and there's a hilarious scene where they're walking through Central Park and literally 10 gallons of cherry blossoms get dumped on them. It's supposed to be romantic, like they're walking in a snow globe, but it actually just looks like the art director of the episode was on coke and went overboard. Also crucial to note that Carrie is wearing a turquoise feather boa on this date because she takes fashion risks everyone often very bad ones Gilles and Carrie go back to his hotel and make l'amour the next morning Gilles has to leave early but he tells Carrie to stay in bed relax order room service when he leaves Carrie notices an envelope with her name on it she opens it to find one thousand dollars whoop whoop 
fuck? I love this show. Clearly, this calls for an emergency meeting with Miranda and Samantha over scrambled eggs and salmon, where they discuss Carrie's budding career as a whore. Whether to take it as an incredible compliment or as an incredible insult. Just take it, period. Well, I wouldn't know how to return it anyway, because the one thing he didn't leave me was his phone number. He paid in full. What more is there to talk about? Who is this Amelita Amalfi character anyway? I'm concerned that you've been drafted into a ring of high-class hookers. She isn't a hooker. She's... She's like an international party girl. She's a hooker with a passport. Do you ever have any conversations about money? No, I mean... I did allude to the fact that I was a bit cash poor these days. So maybe it's supposed to be a loan? I don't remember filling out an application. Sweetheart, men give, women receive. It's biological destiny. Hello! Do you really want to be saying that? I mean, that's exactly the kind of argument men have been using since the dawn of time. God, this is such a loaded scene. I fucking love. I'm obsessed. Also, like, a big reason that people love Sex in the City is because it's such a fun fantasy. It's like, the fashion is great. The men are hot. It's like all the scenarios are so fun. And when Carrie sleeps with this incredibly good-looking rich guy who then leaves her $1,000, it's like, I just love this show because it's like, what a fun fucking problem. It's, and Nobody all has having, ever left me $1,000 after awesome sex. Yeah, and also it's like, she gets to have room service, ah. like a room service party with her friends to discuss it. It's like, even though she feels like shit, it's still amazing. These are the funnest problems. It's so fun. I also, what does this say about me, Rose, that when I saw that she got $1,000, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, you had amazing sex. He knows that you're not doing well financially. He has a ton of money tipping is a sign of appreciation like it's fucked up that I was not more offended by this gesture Jamie I love you to the moon we are sisters I felt the exact same way (gasps) I love you I love you I literally was like I all of a sudden I was like why has nobody ever tipped me oh I had the same thought I was like I definitely am worth at least a thousand thank you Gilles excuse me Gilles to the fore do I need to start doing keggles I mean is there a reason I have not gotten a sweet K? I'm just saying, like, look, Carrie said to him she is in dire financial issue. Like, she's having problems. She's strained financially. He heard it. He's he heard- not. He's not. He heard it. He listened. Oh, yes, Jamie. They fucked. He had to leave early. He probably felt guilty. I don't want to believe that Gilles yeah, has no fair. conscience. Well, That's he, cab fare. Exactly. And like a thousand bucks for this guy is nothing. In this economy? I mean, please. A thousand bucks barely pays. Gilles, please. Gilles, please. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is this. This is not a problem. This is a fabulous thing to happen. Jamie, I need to know something. Mm. If you slept with a man mm-hmm. who was in town for a wild weekend, yeah. how much money would you think would be the right amount for him to leave on the bed? Like what what do you think you're you what do you think you're kind of worth I, in that way? I'm not gonna lie. I I do feel like I'm worth like indecent proposal money. Like I want how much like, is Robert that? Redford to leave a thousand a, a million dollars. Jamie, I've never had sex with you, but now I'm now it's on my mind. Just a, just a cool one mil. Is that because you're really good at it? Mm, no, I'm. You have pre- a great bot. I've seen. Okay, it. thank you. But I mostly I mostly just lay there. But also, like, what a gift that you get to like be in my fuck my dead corpse. Yeah. 
Wow, I really like appreciate your confidence. Yeah. Uh, remember? Okay, wait. Quick sidebar. Remember when Home Alone came out and every kid was saying "les incompetents"? Oh my Do you god, that? I don't. Sorry. Oh, okay. But this accent, this bad French accent, does remind me of Brenda Nine Hundred Two One Zero when she pretended to be flush. Oh yes, Ooh, <laughs> with Dean Cain. <laughs> love, loved those episodes. Okay, but the, what about tipping like, is a sign of appreciation? Done. Except in Japan, done. Okay, agree, agree, agree. Um, let's see. Has anybody ever left you any money for any reason sexually? No. You? No, and actually, I'm pissed about I it. I know, honestly, <laughs> retrospectively, I'm livid. Wait, Jamie, it would be really funny if one Oh my night- God, this is a movie plot. We, we go back and get <laughs> cash from all the people we fucked. Wait, Jamie, I really think as a married woman, like mm. one night, like... In the morning, like in the morning, you should just like leave Dan twenty. Oh my god! Like just like put twenty on That's Dan. So funny. Can you just do that? Just leave it on his chest while yeah. he's asleep. Yeah, just like curl it into yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I actually think it'd be a really funny thing to do um, on like a like a date. Like if you've been seeing somebody for a few months, and like maybe like somebody gives you like awesome oral sex, and then you're just like, uh, and you just get to your person, you're like, I'm sorry, but I have to, and you just give like six dollars or something. I love this plan. I also love the plan of while they're doing it, just throwing dollar, them, just them. throwing dollar bills down there. Literally, they're down there going to work, and you just like hit them in the head with dollar bills, just change, throwing them at them. Change. I mean, sure. Well, I don't want to take an eye out, but wait, Jamie, what about like a Starbucks card? Oh, that's nice too. <laughs> Borders. Oh wait, that book store doesn't even exist like a anymore. A Barnes and Noble. Oh, maybe. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Jamie, oh. this is so, okay. Well, anyway, we love this episode and we love this, this thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was interesting though. The whole thing of like Samantha saying that biologically men give and women receive. I don't not I believe feel, that. I think that's true. Uh, interesting. Cause I feel like women give so much and men take so much from I think us. she's talking about financially, baby. Still, I think women give and give and give as mothers like, okay, obviously I bring this up in every episode, but as a dog mom, you are as well. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like a precursor to being a mom mom. And all you're doing is providing, 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 caring money. You know, you know, that's what moms do. Everyone who's born who is in existence had a mom who took care of them and dads take care too, but not the way moms do. So I do think that women give, but I think that Samantha's talking about financially. Sure. I still, I still you don't think I, men give financially. She might. Um, sure. Some men do. Sorry, yes. Bert. But I think that, I think that she is probably talking about finances, but the way she delivers this line felt more philosophical. And I feel like even if men, Look, I'm the breadwinner in my relationship, so I feel like I give in every way. And I've also had that dynamic in other relationships. But I also feel like even if men are giving more financially, the way that women give wholeheartedly committed around the clock caregivers, it almost outweighs the finances. I still feel like women are the givers and men or the takers. Yeah. That's interesting. I think we both these are obviously giant generalizations. I think I think that both partners uh, do both. I mean, I'm talking about heterosexual coupling right now. I do think you're completely right that like women have been socialized to be caregivers and nurturers constant and constant everyone, to think of before, everyone them. before them. That's yep. for sure true. But I do think 
also biologically men have been like the protectors and the providers. Not to say that this is how every relationship in 2019. But at a cost. Don't you feel a little? Like they protect at a cost of getting so much in return from women. Well, I think anytime somebody is giving you something, like if somebody, it doesn't matter who it is, the male or the female, but if somebody is the main breadwinner, it doesn't matter. The other person does kind of owe them, like even in a good, healthy relationship, like then the other person should like do all the cooking and cleaning. It's like this is just how it is. Like people both have to bring something to it. Yeah, I think that I think what Samantha is trying to say is that Carrie shouldn't feel bad about being a little spoiled. Sure. And I also would agree with that. But I also think that probably some of my opinions are problematic and, no. and retro or whatever. Well, we're, we're being a little retro right now because the show is also retro. So we're kind of seeing the disparity. And I also disparity. still retro. Like when I go on dates, I like guys to pay. When I go on yeah, dates, I course. put on makeup and try and look really nice. So I also do some retro things. See, I'm in the zone where I'm thinking of completely getting rid of makeup, like altogether, even at night, which... Is a you mean big swing? You mean usually you put on a full face right before bed? Yeah. You no, might. I mean, but like if we go out or something, I always at least have on like concealer, mascara. I'm thinking of like fully, like well, going you have a gorgeous no face. You do whatever you want. I mean, thank you. I'm staring into also, your green, baby I know, greens. I know this is an intimate moment between us. Love you. <laughs> I refuse to Love break you. eye contact. I refuse. But yeah, I um, no, I think. I, but I'm the same way. I mean, I feel like when a guy's on a date, absolutely. I but, like all that. But stuff. I, I like will the say the chair. But all of that in my head, and this is maybe problematic from where I'm sitting. Like, I think of that as like, yeah, you better do that because I bring so much to the table. The least you could do is pull my chair out, or the least you could do is pay for a meal. You know what I think it is, and that's not with my husband, by the way. Of that's just not. across the board. I look at that as early courtship. I literally think once you're in a relationship, you get back and forth. I take you out. I'm not talking about the whole relationship. I'm talking about courtship. But to me, it's because I think it's a nice gesture. For example, when I go on a date with a guy, I smell good. I look good. I put in effort because I'm trying to show up and bring my best self. And I like when somebody does that to me and I try and be charming and funny and wonderful. And I expect him to try and make me feel special. Both me looking good is trying to make him feel special. It's like, I care. I'm showing up. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's like him doing all these nice things. is trying to make me looks like I, I think feel we're just like both I, trying to do nice things for I each other. I feel like I look nice on a date to be like like I, I, I'm so like spiteful I'm realizing <laughs> in this conversation. I do it literally to be like you're so fucking lucky to be here right now. They are. That's such a gross thing to think and it's not even it might not even be coming from a place of confidence. It actually might be the opposite. It might be sad. Anyways, <laughs> listen, we have a lot to unpack <laughs> offline. Jamie has a lot to talk oh about God. next week in therapy. Let's move on, okay, shall back to we? The okay. okay. So meanwhile, circling back. Yes. While the gals, while three of the gals are talking about Carrie's new horse status, Charlotte goes to meet with the painter to try and get him to do a show at her gallery. When she arrives at his perfectly rustic home, she finds out that he's been on a cunt painting kick and asks, <laughs> I mean, gal. And asks very politely in front of his wife if he could paint Charlotte's cunt. What will will Charlotte do to get ahead in her career? That night, Carrie decides to blow her money on an overpriced meal at Ballsack with Samantha. But alas, the hostess with the tiny hat refuses to seat them. Samantha heads to the bar for a drink when Carrie notices Amelita waving her over to her table of hot millionaires. So many hot millionaires. 
Carrie meets another handsome, rich European with shiny hair who offers to fly her to Italy on a whim when Carrie decides that she loves shoes, but she loves her self-respect even more and kindly declines. Then Carrie heads to the bathroom for an iconic scene where the hostess peeps her head out of a bathroom stall and asks Carrie if she can borrow a tampon or just take a tampon. We don't we don't borrow those. We keep them once they're in our vaginas. Uh Carrie gives her one, of course, and cut to Carrie and Samantha finally fucking finally getting a great table at Balzac. Sisters helping sisters. Periods bond us all. Yahoo! The episode closes with a show at Charlotte's Gallery opening where Carrie is wearing a culturally insensitive outfit that can only be described as oriental kimono drag. The gals search the gallery and eventually find Charlotte's cunt painting, which they all love. Mm, A plus cunt. Love it. Which brings us to the question of the episode. Let's roll it. I envied Amelita. Her life was a blur of rich men, designer clothes, and glamorous resorts. She didn't actually work for a living, yet possessed a dazzling sexual power that she exploited to her full advantage, which presented a certain conundrum. Where's the line between professional girlfriend and just plain professional? Very interesting question. It is. I think it's interesting, too. I mean, kind of to go back to what we were saying, the reason that some feminists and some women think it's really gross to have guys pay for them is because they're like, I'm not a whore. Like, what, you're going to pay for me and then I'm going to fuck you? That's kind of like the counter argument to having guys pay is that it's literally kind of like you're buying me a nice meal and then I have to go, like, give you a blowjob, which is interesting. Yeah. I also think that this episode did a great job of bringing up a very specific type of woman. I actually know someone who's an Amelita. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, off mic, I'll give you the hot deets. Oh, but I it can't is wait. someone Do who, I know them? It's a family friend. Oh, okay. And um, she... My mom. It's, yeah, <laughs> I've become very close with her without you knowing. I hope that's cool. But, um, no, I there's a, there's a girl that I know uh, who is a, a family friend mm-hmm. again can't get full deets but I, okay. I follow her Instagram very closely and I'm noticing she is constantly on vacation and she constantly has a new guy who she's calling my love Ooh. it always says my love and it's a different guy and they all look kind of the same so I keep being like oh is that maybe it is the same guy and I'm like no it's a different guy and she's always on the beach a lot of bikini pics she's always working out she like professionally works out is she very very hot absolutely and uh, 20s mm, 30s wow, okay. um, but also like I I sort of know that she wants to settle down and she is, but for a long time before she wanted to settle down, she was, you know, just vacation, vacation, new guy, new guy. And, um, I had a lot of there, me and other people in my family, we would talk about it and we sort of expressed a lot of judgment towards her. Mm. And I think that this episode reminds us to stop judging other women. I like that. Because even if that is, let's say that's how she makes her money. She literally is like taken on vacation. Maybe she doesn't have to work all this stuff. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's, who cares? it's, not, it's not hurting. anybody, un- And it's also not unlike women who like don't want to work because they just want to stay home and like raise their kids or do charity or not. Like, I think we're just kind of in this space where like just because you support another woman doesn't mean that you have to look up to them. You can support someone without being inspired by them. Those two things can coexist. So they might not be the model for how you want to live your life and they may not be someone who like really inspires your lifestyle, but it doesn't mean you can't stand by their choice. I I think it's kind of going back to this like gold digger phenomenon. It's like kind of like a, I guess it's not really the Kardashians because they made their own money, but it's kind of this like culture of deep superficiality and it's like if you're a woman who really cares about being rich and being with a rich man like 
I mean, I'm using very crass anti-woman terms here, and this isn't what I mean, okay. but just, just yeah. to describe. Sure. I think what Carrie is asking is, if you're a woman that just dates a guy because he's a millionaire or just marries a guy because he's a millionaire, what is the difference between you and a whore? I think that's what she's asking. It is. It is. is. Like, that's a good, that you just, over, you you just simplified the right. question for us. Yes. And I don't really know. I uh, There's a part of me that feels like. I don't know what to say about this because if if that's if that's really important to you and having the best of the best is important to you and you get it, um, I don't know. Is that wrong? I, I kind of don't know if it's wrong because it's like it's kind of like mutual using. A man probably absolutely because a man's mutual. marrying you because you're a trophy and you're really hot and you're marrying him for your money. So I guess you're both getting what you want. Yeah, it that no, I it's, don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just, it's hard to talk about this because it's it's not really representative of the way we live our lives, and it's not. And it sounds kind of immoral. Well, and but it's I don't even know if it's immoral. It's not our morals. It's different values. Yes, and I think I've definitely known girls who very openly are like, I want to marry rich, and they're super smart girls, and a lot of them work and work really hard, but they've always been very clear about like that's what I want. That's a huge I priority actually, to me. I actually kind of get that. I mean. I don't think I I don't need to marry a rich guy, but I definitely am not going to marry a poor guy. I need to marry somebody who's self-sufficient, just pays their own yeah, bills or whatever. I mean, there, there is there is a degree of that where it's like, well, what is it? What does it mean when you date someone who's super, super wealthy? It's like, well, maybe you're attracted to them because they can shower you with like gifts, you know, like Amelita in this episode. She's like, oh, I got a twelve thousand dollar bracelet. But I also Good. I Your also know have been oh, incredible today. Um, but no, I think there are also women who are like, oh, I like being with a rich guy because I want to travel a lot and they can help facilitate that. And we both value, you know, seeing the world. And like, that's expensive. Like seeing the world is fucking expensive, whether you go to Van Cleef and Arpel or not. Maybe you just want someone who facilitates your dreams a little bit. Also, I want to be rich. and I'm like very pro rich. Like uh, some people are like anti bougie and I don't feel that way because when I think of money, I, I don't care about diamonds or jewelry, but like I want uh to have really great health insurance. I want to live in a safe neighborhood. I want to, if I have kids, like send them to college. Like to me, money means like health opportunity, taking care of my family. Like exactly. it's a little less like, I don't really need like a fabulous bag, but like if anything happened to anybody I care about, like I'd love to be able to fix them. That shit costs money. Like yes. going to good schools, that all like. And money shaming is a weird thing that I, I see come up where people, you know, you, you so meet people like who. gross or something. Well, yeah. And it's like, I think that, I don't know. I just, again, I come back to this notion of like, just because a woman is not living out her life the way you think is correct. You judging that isn't helping the larger problem. It, it just divides women more and women should look like whatever they want to look like, whether they're carrying expensive handbags and dashing off to Venice on a moment's notice or they're working really hard at their office and like can't get home to their kid on time. Like whatever it is, we have to just be like, yeah, they're, they're all acceptable and everyone's values are different and we cannot exist in this place of being like, well, fuck them because it's like. Yeah, then you don't have to live your life like that. But you not supporting that person is not helping either. That's sort of how I feel. Um, that was your TED talk, and I it was it just a, went viral. Okay, whoa, <laughs> I felt it. Also, another thing that I just like my closing thought on this that I just realized is I've used the term loosely and 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 ingest on this episode. But like when I say whore, I'm completely joking, and I just also have to say the question is where's the line between professional girlfriend and just plain professional? I also just want to be clear that I don't think there's anything wrong with 
being a sex worker and being a prostitute and selling your body for sex, whatever you have to do to make ends meet. I think there's a lot of women who do that who are moms or are single moms. And I also think that like uh, using whore or prostitute as like a pejorative is also putting a woman down for doing what she has to do, which I don't think is something we should judge anyway. You don't know these people's circumstances. Yeah. And also just because you have a boyfriend who takes you on great vacations and stuff like I don't know. Like you said, it's mutually beneficial. I think that we're we are circling back to that idea that it is a mutually beneficial relationship being a professional girlfriend. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And if whether you're a professional prostitute or you just date rich guys, we respect your decision and do as long as you're happy and you're not getting hurt. Yes. Amen. Gal, All right. uh, time for our final segment. Uh, it's called I'm Horny For. Go ahead, kick us off. Well, Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show, so we end each episode by sharing what we're currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? Um, I think I'm horny for... Uh, well, I'm choosing between two. Okay, I'm going to say... Your masseuse. Well... I think I'm horny for Eastern medicine okay, <laughs> and like Chinese herbs and stuff because this week, both me and my dog were not feeling well. Um, I had like a really bad shoulder injury and my dog had diarrhea. And what, what cured me of my shoulder was not the massage. It was actually my acupuncturist who like fixes me every time. And then what cured my dog uh, was Chinese herbs. And I just have to say, my mom's a cancer researcher. I love Western medicine. I respect Western medicine. Get vaccinated. That's real. All that stuff. If you broke your arm, don't just, like, dangle a crystal over it. Go to a doctor. Yeah. But if you've tried a Western route for something that's not super dangerous, like, also, and if it's not fixing it, like, try the Chinese version. I'm, like, obsessed with Chinese wisdom, Chinese healing. It heals me. It heals my dog. Um, Chinese food is my favorite food. I'm a Chinese culture file. My sweatshirt was made in China. Great place. Oh, my God. It's the best. Um, well, that's fabulous. What are you horny for? Um, I am horny for something that happened on the way over here, which is, okay, so we left my house pretty early because we're recording in the morning, ooh, ooh. and we stopped off to get coffee, and I was like, Skylar, have you eaten today? Do you want me to get you a pastry or something? He goes, no, I'm good. And I was like, what did you eat already? And he goes, I had a cutie. And I was like, you had a what? And he's like, I had one of those little tangerines. And the fact that he just casually called it a cutie, and he also is saying that he's full from one tiny tangerine, it just really, like, warmed my heart. And, of course, I went and bought him a giant croissant, like, the size of his head, because I was like, there's no way you're full from one tangerine. But I'm horny for cuties. Um, That is so cute. Also, Skylar, you're so goddamn cute. He's so cute. Skylar, we love you. The, I, I have real brand loyalty to cuties. I love them. It was very. It was also, that's also so cute that he you said one that. One single cutie, and he's like, "Oh no!" He said it completely serious. He's like, "Oh no, I'm not hungry. I had a cutie." That's I was like, like, "How are you full from that?" That's like my worst nightmare is to go on a date with somebody who like ate the cilantro garnish and was like, "I'm full." I know. I was like, Skylar, <laughs> uh, you have to have a man appetite." No, elsewhere no, I eat no. like a cartoonish amount of food, so I'm like, I was like really riding off of last night's dinner too, oh, okay, and like a morning okay. cutie. Well, that, I did not, not have that information yeah. when it was said. All I knew is that you had one. Tiny tangerine, and you felt saying stuffed. that you're full from a cutie is like hilarious. It was brilliant. It was so brilliant. It I, like really warmed my heart and made me smile. I have to say, I'm horny for your. I'm horny for. Oh, that's a first. Also, I'm horny but for, not a last. I'm horny for Jamie in my life. She just brings me joy. Oh, I'm horny for you and our friendship and Chachi feeling oh, better. I'm so glad. I'm horny for this podcast. I love doing it. Oh my god, I want to fuck this microphone. Bye. Bye. Forever. Oh.
This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>